AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Informing America's farmers and ranchers. This is AOA. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone, and welcome to AOA. Thanks for joining us. Really appreciate you letting us be part of your day. Wow, we have a lot to talk about. We're going to hear from the United Soybean Board. They have a, a report out that they funded uh, looking at the importance of broadband to rural America. We'll get their details on that. Arlen Suderman with StoneX joins us to talk about the economy and markets. And Scott Irwin, University of Illinois Ag Economist, will join us. We will talk about rising input costs and also demands for feedstock for uh, biodiesel, renewable biodiesel. That's all coming up on today's program. But we're going to start it off with the latest on what's going on in Washington, D.C. Meetings going on right now to try to come to an agreement on a framework of a budget reconciliation bill. Not a final deal, but a framework that the, uh, they're trying to hammer out. And we're still not sure what's going to happen with infrastructure. Let's bring in Jerry Hagstrom with the Hagstrom Report. Jerry, what's the latest? What can you tell us? Well, I'm actually sitting here watching TV because President Biden is on Capitol Hill talking to the Democratic uh, caucus. And as I understand it, he's going through the latest proposal that would now cost $1.75 trillion rather than $3.5 trillion, uh, point by point, to try to convince the House Democrats to accept this. That would mean he'd have to convince the progressives. And then I believe that what they're still hoping for is that later today there would be a vote on the bipartisan infrastructure bill uh, so that he would that have that in hand when he goes to Europe for the, G, uh, the G20 and the United Nations meeting on climate, uh, climate change. Now, what's been so interesting to me in the last few days is that there have been revelations that even though there has been lukewarm support for the ag provisions, there has been a lot of lobbying in favor of it. Uh, but uh, Senator Stabenow, the chair of the Senate Ag Committee, has said that all the programs in there have taken a haircut, but they're still in good shape. So I think that's where we stand. Yeah, it's almost now the questions about what's not in it as much as what's in it, and still the big questions of how to pay for it, because some of that has been scaled back as well. Well, yes, of course, you can scale. If you cut the program, you can scale, scale back what's going to pay for it. Um, but we still don't have what they've finally settled on because there was talk of a billionaire's tax, uh, but Senator Manchin killed that idea yesterday. Um, and what they're going to replace that with, um, I still don't know. So we'll have to see if that comes out after they proposed comes out after President Biden leaves this Democratic caucus meeting. Now, he's supposed to address the nation, I think, about 1130 this morning. And then after 12 o'clock afternoon, his plane leaves for Europe. So we've got a lot still pending there. Uh, but in terms of agriculture, uh, there would be uh, conservation provisions, rural development provisions, uh, forestry management, uh, climate policies, and uh, some easing of the ways in which 
the schools could provide uh, free lunches to low-income children. On the infrastructure bill, I mean, it still comes down to the progressives in the Democratic Party have to feel confident enough in what they are going to get in the budget reconciliation bill before they would vote on the infrastructure bill. I mean, that hasn't changed, right? Unless they, he can convince them, unless the president can convince them they're going to get much of what they want in the, in the budget reconciliation bill, there's been no indication that they're going to go ahead and support infrastructure, is there? No, that's right. He's got to convince them this morning. Um, and one news account said that they needed to hear from him personally that he believes that if they pass, if they pass the bipartisan infrastructure bill, that Senators Manchin and Cinema will vote for the um, uh, for the Build Back Better Act, also called the Reconciliation Bill. And so that's his message this morning, and that he's going through it uh, item uh, item by item. Uh, now, there have been progressives who are upset about things being taken out of it, such as, uh, a family, uh, such as paid leave when people are uh, um, uh, ill or taking leave uh, from their jobs. Um, but supposedly, the, most of the items that the progressives want are in there, perhaps for shorter periods of time. The idea is that they'll pass these for a few years and then dare the Republicans to uh, oppose a, a continuation of those bills at some, at some point in the future. So that, I think, is where it stands. Still a lot of unknowns, and, you know, basically they're trying to hammer out a framework that we still won't have final details on a bill. Um, I guess we'll know a lot. If they can get a, a vote on infrastructure that seemingly says they feel they're going to get a vote, then on on the Build Back Better bill, right? Yes, that's right. Then that the details would come in the would would come in the future. Uh, but a lot of this has to uh, has to do with whether or not the Democratic Party can can stand together. It can bring its progressive and moderate wings into the into supporting this piece of legislation, since they won't get any Republican votes for the Build Build Back Better Act. Um, and the image and, and, and what Biden can take to Europe to these meetings is an important part of, what, of what's going on today. Yeah, I mean, quite frankly, that kind of bothers me that they're, they're, the thing that's pushing this so hard right now is so he can have something to go to that meeting with. Uh, I don't know if that ought to be the criteria or the, uh, the driving point. I mean, sometimes those things do help move things along, but uh, that, it... I don't know. This is pretty important for our country, uh, so I don't know that that kind of a deadline is what ought to drive it or not. Well, I can I can understand that viewpoint, but Congress has to have deadlines or it doesn't do anything. So uh, we're we're kind of at that point, and they've made enormous progress uh, just in the uh, in the last few uh, in the last few weeks, um, or just in the last few days. Uh, and it was Senator Stabenow who sent out copies of all the letters that have been that have been put forward by farm groups. Uh, she particularly cited the support from the National Milk Producers Federation, saying that their support has been crucial for a lot of these uh, climate and uh, conservation measures. 
Um, so it's been very interesting to see that there was lobbying going on behind the scenes, even if there wasn't a public campaign. All right, Jerry, we'll see what happens. Thank you. Yes, I think everyone should watch the president uh, about 11, 1130 and see what he has to say. All right. Take care. Thanks, Jerry. Mm-hmm. Goodbye. Jerry Hagstrom with the Hagstrom Report. I understand agriculture uh, wanting those programs, and those are important programs, I would say. But I think you also have to look at the overall picture here, and is this bill going to be good for the country as a whole? More government spending at a time we're concerned about inflation. I think we need to look at that. We'll see what they come up with. A lot going on still. All right, up next, a look at the, here's something we know, the importance of broadband to rural American agriculture. We'll talk about it next on AOA. AOA is brought to you by Synex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils. Oils that run smart. These acres you've put your life into, your view each harvest morning. While the ag industry changes, this land is meant to be here for your grandkids and then theirs. That's why ADS and drainage contractors across the nation are doing our part to protect America's farm families. We're proud to provide water management solutions that make family farms like yours more profitable, now and for generations to come. Learn more about how we keep families farming at ADSPipe.com. Every Tuesday, we'll be sitting around the table, sponsored by CHS. Join us and learn how CHS creates the vital connections that empower agriculture, helping farmers and ranchers like you succeed. We'll hear from different voices from throughout the cooperative system, sharing stories about how good things happen when people work together. Join us around the table every Tuesday or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. At Golden Harvest, our best skill is knowing how to listen. From our Gold Series soybean and game-changing corn portfolios to our expert insights housed in the Illuminate Digital Agronomy Platform, everything we offer is an answer to what we've heard from you. This is how we listen. Peanut butter and jelly, cookies and milk, football in your favorite recliner. Some things work best in pairs. Enlisty 3 soybeans from Golden Harvest are no different. Our exclusive Enlisty 3 varieties have strong agronomics and disease tolerance for your conditions. Get yours from Golden Harvest today for a pairing that performs. This is how we listen. Copyright 2021 Syngenta. The trademarks or service marks displayed or otherwise used herein are the property of a Syngenta Group company. Enlisty 3 soybean technology is jointly developed with Dow AgroSciences LLC and MS Technologies LLC. Enlisty 3 is a trademark of Dow AgroSciences LLC. All other trademarks are the property of their respective owners. You are not your diagnosis. A medical chart is not your identity. And vision loss does not define you. Your drive shows who you are. And you are not alone. Because we are driven too. To be a beacon of strength. A champion of courage. An advocate for hope. You are not alone. Because we are stronger together. We drive the research for the cures we are finding. We're fighting macular degeneration, retinitis pigmentosa, Usher syndrome, and the entire spectrum of blinding retinal diseases. We fund. We fight. We win. We, 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 we are, are the, the Foundation, Foundation Fighting Blindness. 
Together, we are fighting blindness. Join the fight at fightingblindness.org. AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. There's a new report out funded by the United Soybean Board. It was conducted by the Benton Institute for Broadband and Society. And it shows that providing U.S. farmers and ranchers access to fast, affordable, and reliable broadband will increase sustainability, will also allow more reliable and efficient food production, for uh, a growing population and strengthen America's rural communities. Here to talk about it is Megan Kaiser, treasurer of the United Soybean Board, a Missouri farmer, and also with us uh, from the Benton Institute for Broadband and Society, we have um, Adrian Furness uh, talking about how the study was done. So I welcome you both to our program. I'll start with you, Megan. Uh, why did the United Soybean Board uh, want to fund a, uh, a report like this? What, what was your uh, goals? Uh, what were you looking at here uh, hoping to find out? Well, I think if you talk to anybody who lives in rural America and you ask about their Internet connection, it will probably be a, a slight chuckle and maybe a shake of the head. It's a, a mm. profound issue, and, and it was highlighted um, in the, the last two years as everybody kind of went online uh, for school, for work, and for meetings. And so um, this study really does a great job of highlighting you know, some solutions that um, we can look at and make decisions from moving forward. Um, I think especially as U.S. Soy is really looking at how do we prove our sustainability factor, how do we get that message to our customers uh, worldwide, a lot of that hinges on precision agriculture. We look at, um, you know, precision application of fertilizer reduces our greenhouse gas emissions by greater than 15%, but we can only do that if we have the connection to the Internet to, uh, to, to utilize all of these uh, precision tools. I think we all realize, probably uh, most everyone realize the importance and the need for good broadband uh, access uh, across the country and especially in rural America. Uh, I think what this report does is pinpoints maybe some of the benefits that maybe a lot of people didn't even realize uh, how how widespread those benefits are in a lot of different areas. I want to bring in now the uh, the executive director for Benton Institute for Broadband and Society, Adrian Furness. Adrian, thank you for joining us. Uh, tell us how this uh, study was conducted. Thanks, Mike, for having us on today. Well, um, as Megan alluded to, the United Soybean Board had done a report in 2019 looking at the state of rural broadband. And the initial study showed that 60% of U.S. farmers and ranchers did not believe they had adequate Internet connectivity to run their businesses and that plans to incorporate data into day-to-day -day decisions were thwarted by slow Internet speeds high costs and unreliable service. And the study also noted that many farmers did not have a viable option to change Internet service providers. In other words, they lived in uh, a monopoly uh, Internet service provider marketplace. So for the report, we interviewed farmers, 
rural internet service providers, equipment manufacturers, and agricultural leaders and experts. And not surprisingly, these conversations revealed consensus around key outcomes for rural broadband. And Benton is in the business of talking to policymakers and other um, stakeholders to make sure that um, we're driving towards improvement to make sure that everybody has um, affordable, high-performance broadband and that they can use it uh, even more importantly. What were some of the key takeaways from the report? Well, sure, and I want to uh, also bring Megan back in here. One of the things that we really learned from our conversation with Megan was that uh, it's really important that there are future-proof performance standards that can meet the growing demand among farmers for greater upstream and downstream speeds. So the federal government's uh, broadband benchmark standards tend to uh, have a lower upstream speed. But as we were talking to farmers, <clears throat> we realized that upstream was very, very important. And therefore, networks that were capable of symmetrical speeds, meaning, uh, for instance, 100 megabits per uh, second down and 100 up, would um, give farmers the service they needed. Uh, particularly because not only do you have to have a connection to the farmhouse, but th that connection has to be able to support wireless service in the field. Um, Megan, maybe you might want to talk about your experience with, with slow upload speeds. Yeah, you know, this one really hit home because um, in our business, we were finally in 2019 able to connect to broadband, and we only uh, we only get three megabytes per second upload speed, but that was twice what we had before. And the difference that it made, um, it would take me three days to do what I now can do in one day, and that was just because it took three times of the reaction speed every time I would click, and you would wait and wait and wait, and and frankly, we just we run out of patience and we run out of time um, to do that on the farm and, and you can't upload your maps um, that we gain in the field to a central source that we can match with our soil test data, um, our planting data, our yield data, um, our input data. Um, we can't put all that together and make data-driven decisions if we don't have the time or the patience to, to wait on our upload speed. So it's, it's critically important. It's kind of the, the, the key um, to unlocking all of our sustainability metrics. Yeah, Megan, there's so many things possible now with technology. Uh, we talk about precision agriculture and the different things that can be done. But if you don't have the good high-speed broadband access, you can't take advantage of all that technology. You can't, and it, it's so frustrating. Um, one of the, the other takeaways from that 2019 report that United Soybean Board did is that, you know, when we're making equipment decisions, um, John Deere is able to put a modem in every one of our uh, tractors and combines, but if we can't do anything with the data, farmers are unlikely to want to spend the money on that technology because, you know, it, it's a waste. It's just sitting there, um, much like an empty box if you can't do anything with it. And so having the ability to connect and to utilize the information and the technology that's already here is so important. I mean, even even our mobile coverage, I thought that, that was 
incredible that this uh, the Benton report kind of pulled that out for us is that the mobile coverage on agricultural lands is, is critically important. Adrian, I've often said that if you are fortunate enough to be in an area that has good broadband access, you tend to think everybody has it, but that's not the case. I mean, uh, so many areas just do not have good uh, broadband uh, access, do they? That's absolutely correct, Mike. And, you know, I think that's right. I live in a suburb of Chicago. That's where the Benton Institute is based, and I have um, on bad days, 100 over 20 on my speed. So I'm not, um, it's hard for me to imagine, um, though I've been spending a lot of time talking to people in rural communities, that they are um, frankly suffering under um, uh, duress because their speeds are so lousy. But you're pointing to some degree to a second issue that we discovered, which is that there really are not great um, maps that tell us where broadband is and more importantly where it isn't and not only do we need to know um, where fixed broadband is that means a broadband that brings a wire into your home or into the farm office but we don't have a good sense of the mobile coverage as Megan said and you need to have this data before making broadband infrastructure investment decisions. There's a lot of talk right now about the infrastructure bill uh, with 42 plus billion dollars potentially coming to the states. And if the states don't have great maps, then they won't know what to do with that money. So I think that's a, another very important finding from the report. Megan, where can they, people see the results of this uh, report? Look at it. Yeah, come come uh, check out www.unitedsoybean.org um, and uh, check out the hopper for uh, not only this report, but several news releases about the ongoing um, work at the United Soybean Board. Yeah, very important. Megan Kaiser, USB treasurer, a Missouri farmer, and also with us, the executive director of the Benton Institute for Broadband and Society, Adrian Furness. Thank you both for being with us. Appreciate it. Thank you, Mike. Bye. All right, up next, we talk economy and markets with Arlen Suderman with StoneX. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. AOA is brought to you by Synex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils. Oils that run smart. So you're saying I could save some money now by bundling my crop protection products? But I'd miss out on the 5 to 15 bushels per acre advantage from Acuron herbicide? Mm-hmm. And the 4 bushel advantage Saltro seed treatment has over Olivo seed treatment? Yeah. And the 18 and a half bushels per acre advantage from Travipro fungicide? Yep. So the bundle deal isn't really all that much of a deal, is it? Nope. Better yield is the better deal. Talk to your retailer or Syngenta rep to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. Acuron is a restricted-use pesticide. These acres you've put your life into, your view each harvest morning. While the ag industry changes, this land is meant to be here for your grandkids and then theirs. That's why ADS and drainage contractors across the nation are doing our part to protect America's farm families. 
We're proud to provide water management solutions that make family farms like yours more profitable now and for generations to come. Learn more about how we keep families farming at ADSPipe.com. You're listening to AOA. I'm Kirsten Rawl. It was a disappointing week of U.S. export sales. Sales of corn, beans, and wheat all fell at or below the low end of the trade range during the week ending October 21st. Sale volume for all three primary crops were down from last week, last year, and their respective five-year averages. Soybean volume was only 1.18 million tons when trade estimates were as high as 2 million tons. Top destinations for sales during the week were China for beans and Mexico for corn and wheat. Worries about fertilizer availability helped boost the 2022 December corn contract to new contract highs. Looking at those contracts on the Board of Trade this morning, December corn trading six and three quarters higher at 564, the March contract up six and a fraction at 572 and a fraction of a cent. For soybeans, the January contract up six cents at 12.55 and three quarters. March up six at 12.65. For wheat, Chicago wheat December up 11 and a fraction at 7.70 and three quarters. The Kansas City wheat December contract trading eight and three quarters of a cent higher at 7.91 and a half cent. Minneapolis spring wheat December up 16 and three quarters at 10.38 and three quarters. The March contract up 16 and a half cent at 10.22. For livestock, asking prices for cattle left on show lists are around $126 to $127 in the south and $201 plus in the north. Beef cutouts are expected to be lower with light to moderate box movement. Looking at live cattle futures on the Board of Trade, the December contract down 15 at 131.42, February down 7 at 136.87. Feeder cattle, November up 27 cents at 158.75. The January contract trading 15 cents lower at 158. In lean hogs, the February contract trading 90 cents higher at 75.20. The December contract up $1.05 at 73.02. You're listening to AOA. I'm Kirsten Rawl. Hey, Dad. Your prescription will be ready in just a minute. Hey, Dad. Your laundry will be ready in just a minute. Dad, your lunch will be ready in just a minute. Hey, honey. Why don't you take a minute? When you help care for a loved one, you give them as much time as you can, making sure they're safe and comfortable. But it's just as important that you take some time for yourself. At AARP, we can help with information and useful tips on how you can maintain a healthy life balance, care for your own physical and mental well-being, and manage the challenges of caring for a loved one. Because the better care you take of yourself, the better care you can provide for your loved one. Thanks, Dad. Thank you. You're there for them. We're here for you. Find free care guides to support you and your loved one at aarp.org slash caregiving. That's aarp.org slash caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. And we're joined now by Arlen Suderman, economist for StoneX. And Arlen, always appreciate your time. I enjoy talking to you about the markets and the overall economy. And I want to start there with the economy. Uh, we're watching now what's happening in Washington, D.C. as Democrats try to hammer out some kind of an agreement on a framework for their uh, so-called Build Back Better plan, the budget reconciliation bill. 
being held in sway in all this is the infrastructure bill. So we wait to see what happens. Uh, I understand agriculture groups lobbying for, you know, things that are in both. We know the infrastructure bill would contain a lot of uh, projects that are very important to agriculture. This uh, budget reconciliation bill has things in there for conservation and climate programs for agriculture. I understand all that. But at some point, I think agriculture, like the rest of society, has to look at the cost of these things. And um, what if? be careful what you wish for. Be careful what you ask for. Because if you get it, what's it going to do to inflation and a lot of other things that could do more harm than good? You and I have talked about this before. Uh, it's very dangerous to have more government spending during inflationary times, right? I mean, that that's pouring gas on the fire here. Yeah, it really is. And I'll go back to the example. If I were to offer you $100 million, it would change your spending habits. Now, the government hasn't sent any of us checks out to our $100 million. I make, use that to make a point. They have pumped hundreds of billions of dollars, though, into the consumer's hands collectively over the past couple of years, and much of that money is still there. M2 money supply, which is basically the money available to consumers, is up over $5 trillion since before the pandemic started. Just currency in circulation right now is at $2.2 trillion. That's up about $400 billion from before the pandemic started. That doesn't include what's in checking accounts and, and immediately available in the savings and, and stuff that could be immediately spent that's liquid, stuff like that. And it's basically three times what it was a decade ago. So we're cash rich in our culture right now. So we have artificially elevated the demand level for goods and services. Now, if you're a producer of goods and services, that's good. But it's helping drive the prices higher, giving us this high inflation rate. And we're really in danger of getting inflation out of control, like what we saw a little over four decades ago. And the fear is that if you increase that stimulus with even more government spending and monetary support that that would require fund the Federal Reserve to support the debt certificates, um, then you would simply amplify the problem even further, helping inflation get out of control. And let's bring it down to a personal level. All of us make decisions you know, on want and need, and we can debate and argue, do you want something or need something? Uh, but let's say it is something you actually do need, and we all face that. There are things we need, but we can't afford, uh, so we don't do it. But the government seems to be in a path to, well, uh, we're just going to do it, no matter if we can afford it or not. And we haven't really seen anything about how we're going to pay for this. The, the, the plans they have offered to pay for it have been shown to be fall way short. I mean, you just can't tax the ultra-rich and pay for all of this. Uh, so, I mean, that has to be a big part of it. How are, how are you going to pay for this? Yeah, exactly right, because when you and I make those family decisions around the kitchen table about our wants versus our needs and what we can afford, we're dealing with our money. When elected officials go to Washington to make these decisions, they're making it with somebody else's money, and uh, they can simply raise taxes all the more they want, so to speak, in their mind to do it. But it's not even that. Many of them now buy into this modern monetary theory which says you can print as much money as you want if you have a fiat currency, 
um, and there will be no long-term effects. Well, we're seeing the long-term effects, and we're getting just a taste of the long-term effects. You can't just print as much money as you want. We do not live in an island. You increase the supply of something, and that decreases its value. Said another way, inflation, because it has less buying power, and, and we're seeing that already play out. So if you just double down and do more of the same, you're going to have more of the same problem type of a thing. And, and again, they're dealing with uh, both our money. In fact, let's say, let's put it this way. Of the borrowing that the government has had to do to support its existing programs, we're approaching now 60% here over the last year and a half. Of those debt certificates used to finance that government spending, has been bought by the Federal Reserve. In other words, we are printing money to buy our own debt and therefore increasing the supply of money. That's why M2 money supply is up over $5 trillion over the past, well, less than two years, a little over a year and a half. Yeah, I I just find it frustrating and frightening both. I mean, uh, the problems we have in this country, the line of thinking in Washington right now seems to be uh, we'll just spend more money to fix them. We write more checks. And it seems to me, as you pointed out, that that uh, direction is causing more problems than it's fixing, right? I mean, just spending more isn't going to fix these problems, and it's creating more problems. Yeah, if you look at our early leaders in this country and uh, look at, uh, you know, who, who founded the country, who are our forefathers, they were businessmen, and they made decisions on running our country from the standpoint of what makes sound business sense. Um, today, we don't see that near as often in our politicians. We see professional politicians kind of at all levels, all the way from local to national. This is their job, so to speak, not have that hands-on practical experience of making a payroll, what that means. Uh, in both parties, this is a problem. And so we've lost that common sense approach. Those people were risk takers. They knew how to balance proper risk with reward. Um, And and today we just don't see that proper understanding of balance at all. Well, when you're a professional politician, what's your number one job is to get reelected. And usually one of the ways to get reelected is to give people what they want or or money or what they think they want and just... uh, Say, look what I'm giving you, and that helps them get reelected. So uh, that it's a kind of a uh, a vicious cycle. All right, we're talking with Arlen Suderman, chief commodities economist for StoneX. Um, the story of rising input costs and even questions about availability of inputs for agriculture. This looks to be a big story now. That's going to get bigger as we head to next spring. Yeah, it really does. We're seeing ammonia prices now in some parts of the Midwest. For this fall application, between eleven and thirteen hundred dollars, maybe even a little bit more in some locations, uh, and uh, no bids out yet. Spring, although that's not unusual, we would expect spring bids to start coming out in December. But there is some concern about availability. Urea has really been surging higher as well. Um, that that's a big problem globally. We've had some production plants in Europe shut down because of high natural gas prices. Producers of the fertilizer can make more money reselling their natural gas contracts to other uses than what they can get for the fertilizer. So we're dealing with a high price plus fear of whether we'll have availability. 
that will vary by region and by product. And it's not just fertilizer either. Products like glyphosate, you know, are still in short supply as well. And we're trying to figure out when that problem will get straightened out. That's a combination of the problem of shutting down production facilities due to Hurricane Ida in the Gulf, as well as getting the components needed uh, from China that uh, come from China. So there's a number of factors coming into play here, and that doesn't even include the transportation issues, the shortage of truck drivers now to move product around, which is between 60 and 80,000 truck drivers that were short, and they say that may get worse here with some of the vaccine mandates going forward over the coming weeks. So there's a number of problems now creating uh, difficulties. Corn would be the crop that's at most risk, and that's not just the United States, that's globally. The scope of that is still yet to be determined, but that's one of the reasons that corn has been a leader out of the gate over the last couple of days in the markets. I was going to ask you, does that mean if you're holding on to crop, it's becoming more valuable? Well, at this point, that's certainly the case. You always have the risk of a black swan event that could come in. As I was talking to some of my sources in China last week, um, they were saying that based on some of their discussions with uh, buyers for the state, um, that they thought that China would increase its buying of U.S. corn when prices got below $5. And I said, ah, that may not happen with the high input costs. So they were asking a lot of questions about the impact of fertilizer high fertilizer prices on U.S. production plans for this next year. And like I said, it's not just a U.S. problem. We, we did not expect and do not currently expect China to be a notable buyer of U.S. corn before the first or second quarter of next year, but that could change if they start fearing that there could be a global shortage of corn. We could see them come in and be more significant buyers at some point, and I'm sure they're watching this week's rally very closely. Yeah, their actions tell you a lot about uh, what they think's coming, and they're usually pretty good about the, seeing what the trends are, right? Yeah, they do have that tendency to be fairly savvy in the markets. Uh, the other thing would be soybeans. They were more concerned about the fact that we could see some reductions in purchases. Um, they do not have as much storage facilities for soybeans to build up reserves as what they do corn. So that could be a concern. Well, it's a very fluid situation, a lot of moving parts. Arlen, as always, thank you for being with us. Appreciate it. Thank you, Mike. Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist for StoneX. Up next, we take a look at those uh, higher input costs. We'll talk with University of Illinois Ag Economist Scott Irwin. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. 180 over 111, and I had a stroke. When I woke up, I couldn't speak or walk. 145 over 92, and then I had a heart attack. 182 over 100, and I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest, and then a stroke. Everything changed. It felt like my life was over. This is what high blood pressure sounds like. You might not feel its symptoms, but the results from a heart attack or stroke are far from invisible or silent. 150 over 90, and I had a stroke. If I would have followed a treatment plan, I would not be in this situation. 180 over 110, and I had a stroke. And I'm 33, so I never see this coming. If you've come off your treatment plan, 
get back on it or talk with your doctor to create an exercise, diet, and medication plan that works for you. Go to loweryourhbp.org. Head to toe, everything's changed. Head to toe. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. The Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council present the story of Cynthia and Ed. My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, out of the blue, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. And uh, she didn't know whether she should go forward or, or turn or just stay at the stop sign. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. She was very concerned. It was very unsettling for her. It's important for you to talk to someone about it, to bring the family in on it. I felt so much better after my son told me, Mom, I don't want you to worry or be afraid. I'll be there for you and we'll figure it out. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. When it comes to protecting your investment in fuel and diesel-powered equipment, Diesel X Gold from FS clearly beats other diesel fuels. New detergents disperse contaminants to prevent sludge that plugs filters and causes unexpected downtime. And now, better moisture handling chemistry helps ensure your fuel stays dry, reducing microbial growth and fuel line freeze-ups. So when you're deciding what fuel to use, choose Diesel X Gold, absolutely the best fuel to power and protect your diesel equipment. Contact your local FS Energy Specialist today or visit GoFurtherWithFS.com. Informing America's farmers and ranchers. That's our goal at AOA. Each weekday, you get an hour of the latest takes from people who know agriculture, the policymakers, and the people who have the inside scoop on what's happening behind closed doors. People who have their finger on the pulse of Washington and agriculture around the world. AOA is your daily source for all the information you need to stay in the know. Informing America's farmers and ranchers. AOA. At Golden Harvest, our best skill is knowing how to listen. From our Gold Series soybean and game-changing corn portfolios to our expert insights housed in the Illuminate Digital Agronomy Platform, everything we offer is an answer to what we've heard from you. This is how we listen. Peanut butter and jelly, cookies and milk, football in your favorite recliner. Some things work best in pairs. Enlist E3 soybeans from Golden Harvest are no different. Our exclusive Enlist E3 varieties have strong agronomics and disease tolerance for your conditions. Get yours from Golden Harvest today for a pairing that performs. This is how we listen. Copyright 2021 Syngenta. The trademarks or service marks displayed or otherwise used herein are the property of a Syngenta Group company. Enlist E3 soybean technology is jointly developed with Dow AgroSciences LLC and MS Technologies LLC. Enlist E3 is a trademark of Dow AgroSciences LLC. All other trademarks are the property of their respective owners. I've been farming my whole life. I don't need somebody to come out here and state the obvious. I don't need anybody to explain my farm to me. My local co-op works with CHS, and they know what I need when I need it. A global network of support. Local expertise. And valuable market options. We need a co-op that's here for us. So we can own every day. When you're an owner of a local cooperative connected to CHS, you get local expertise, a proven efficient supply chain, and global market access. Learn more at cooperativeownership.com. These acres you've put your life into, your view each harvest morning. While the ag industry changes, this land is meant to be here for your grandkids and then theirs. 
That's why ADS and drainage contractors across the nation are doing our part to protect America's farm families. We're proud to provide water management solutions that make family farms like yours more profitable, now and for generations to come. Learn more about how we keep families farming at ADSPipe.com. AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. We're joined now by Scott Irwin, University of Illinois Ag Economist. Scott, good to talk with you again. I know you and some of your colleagues have uh, been looking at this uh, rising ag input cost situation as well as availability. These are There's two layers to this. These are huge issues facing farmers going into next year's planting season. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we're, you know, hearing anecdotal reports of uh, anhydrous ammonia prices kind of off the charts if you can get a hold of it and have to pay up front for it this fall. So rising input costs are definitely a front burner issue right now. We'll see what the weather uh, window is for fall field work, Mm -hmm. but if if not much gets done in a normal year, that pushes a lot into next spring and and really creates some uh, challenges, everybody needing and wanting to go at the same time. Uh, but if you add these factors in, availability concerns and, and the price, that's just going to m- make a, a tough situation even tougher. Well, it certainly could. But on the other side, um, you know, our supply chain bottlenecks Actually, there's some chance that they could ease by next spring uh, so that, in fact, that will be the better time to um, be applying nitrogen and dealing with your fertilizer program. I I think that's a possibility out there that might be dismissed a little too much right now. Yeah, probably we're dismissing it because we've been hearing about this back up for so long and seeing projections that it could last well into next year. So uh, optimistically, it'll be better, but we will see. Um, Do you see it affecting planting decisions? Certainly, potentially. Right now, the, you know, for uh, central Illinois uh, and throughout Illinois, our budgets indicate that the run-up in corn prices has offset the cost increases so far so that it's still largely a toss-up probably as you get out into more of the great plains area where um, soybean yields are better relative to corn probably is uh, flipping some corn acres to soybeans out there so for some they could take the price even though they don't like it, obviously, and it, it still cuts into your pr- profit, but it's still, you could do it, but then it comes back to the availability issue. Exactly. Um, and that's, uh, you know, that's probably the hardest thing to get a real handle on. There really isn't any public data that we have access to on the availability on the quantity side for fertilizer, but you sure hear a lot of uh, anecdotes about that difficulty right now. Historically, have we ever seen a run-up in price like this on inputs? 
we have it's it's one of the it's certainly the biggest one of the last 15 years this suddenly um so it's very unusual i don't know if we've seen something bigger you know going back further in in time but it it's certainly got to be one of the biggest ever that we've experienced over such a short period of time we usually see input costs go up as commodity prices go up uh, this time you throw in the the bottleneck with the uh, the supply chain. Is it just a, a perfect storm here causing these kind of increases, or is there something else? Well, it, it's it's a a combination of the output and the input side. The output side we've got tight. Uh, uh, grain markets in a supply demand sense, and so that's given us high prices, which that uh, pressures demand for input. So that's one side, and on the other side, you've got um, you know natural gas prices spiking, uh, and that leads to um, pressure on the input side of uh, making fertilizer, uh, plus you know these kind of unknown supply chain bottlenecks, plus. You know, much of this is located uh, down in the Gulf, where you're know, still dealing with the aftermath of Hurricane Ida. So I suppose that's a good description. It's probably kind of a perfect storm right now going on on both the input and the output side that's uh, causing this surge. Also wanted to ask you about, speaking of surge, the demand for feedstocks. We we talk a lot about now growing use of biodiesel and uh, renewable diesel. Uh, this is creating quite a demand for feedstocks. Where do you see this going? Wow, that is a great question. And I'm right in the middle of really trying to dig in and, um, you know, figure this out as best as we can. Um, in the short run, I don't, you know, just the plants that are coming online are going to pressure uh, vegetable oil uh, and fats and oils prices in general, I think, for the next year or two. I just don't see any way for that not to happen. Uh, but we have to really also be looking out, you know, in that, you know, two, three-year horizon. Um, I think there's a real unknown political risk um, for the whole renewable diesel boom. It's important to remember it's 100% a political animal. It depends entirely on... Uh, the political will to produce really expensive, expensive renewable diesel in large quantities. And we're in the midst of this inflationary environment. You know, gas prices are really high. I expect some political pushback on high gas and diesel prices to develop. And when that happens, I think some of the bloom will come off the renewable diesel rows. Hmm, that'll be interesting. Everything comes back to politics, it seems like. <laughs> well, it does in, that, in ag anyway, Mike. It, more and more, it sure seems that way. Scott, thank you very much. Good to talk with you again. Always a pleasure, Mike. Take care. Take care. University of Illinois ag economist Scott Irwin. That wraps it up for today. Mike Pearson is going to be sitting in for me tomorrow. He'll keep you up to date on uh, the spending bills. Uh, I think he's going to have a fertilizer report as well. We keep an eye on that situation. National FFA convention back and going in person. He'll get a report on that as well, plus more on, on harvest. So he'll have a busy program for you tomorrow. Hope you'll join him. I'll be back with you on Monday. Thanks for joining us right here on AOA.
AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. This Movember, here's to mustaches in all their glory. To the first peach fuzz ones, the lopsided ones, the unexpectedly sexy ones, to the black, brown, and red ones, to the stately salt and pepper ones, to the ones grown by the men we love, the ones grown for the men we love, those with us today and those never forgotten. A mustache in Movember is a powerful thing. It helps raise funds and awareness for men's mental health and suicide prevention, prostate cancer, and testicular cancer. So rally your crew, friends, family, co-workers, and take on Movember together. And there are plenty of ways to get involved in Movember, even if you can't grow a mustache. Help us change the face of men's health. Go to Movember.com and let's get this hairy party started. That's Movember with an M as in mustache.com. Movember is a registered 501c3 organization. What do Mick Jagger, Barbara Walters, and Star Jones all have in common? They've all suffered from something called heart valve disease. Heart valve disease affects 11 million Americans, and if left untreated, can lead to death. Unfortunately, less than one in four Americans have much knowledge of this disease that kills more than 25,000 people every year. The good news is that if heart valve disease is treated, patients can recover and live long, happy, and productive lives. But in order to treat heart valve disease, you need to know if you have it. If you or your loved ones are over the age of 65, have been treated with radiation to the chest, have been diagnosed with a heart murmur, or have a history of heart disease, it's time to listen to your heart. Ask your doctor today about screening for heart valve disease. A message brought to you by Heart Valve Voice US. For more information about the symptoms and treatment for valve disease, go to heartvalvevoice-us.org.